I want to look into Galatians chapter one and just mention a few things about finding our purpose. Why were you born? Why are you here? What's the plan of God for your life and for mine? There are some things that resonate with every Christian. There's some things that should resonate with every person. And in Galatians 1, beginning with verse 13, you have heard of my conversation, which is an old English way to describe a way of life. In time past, my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above my equals and in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of, the, of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither did I go up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and stayed with him 15 days. Finding our purpose, and I think we can find it there in verse 16. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for an opportunity to fellowship like we've done tonight we are so glad that a merry heart works like medicine. And you're the one that provides us with many blessings, but also with the laughter that's in our hearts. So as we look into the word of God for a few moments, speak to all of our hearts in Jesus name. Amen. It is often that you hear people ask questions like, why was I born? And many people go through life and even come to the final days of their life feeling like they never really accomplished anything because they never really knew what they were to do here. But I don't think that's God's plan for any of us. We, we need to know that every baby conceived in a womb is conceived with a destiny. There's a purpose that is instilled in that conceived life so that when that baby comes into this world, it is God's desire to see that baby fulfill all that needs to be fulfilled. Now, the scripture talking about Paul in verses 13 and 14 tells us he was a very religious man, a Jewish man. Now, we can't even tell you how many Old Testament laws he had to keep in order to feel like in his conscience he was pleasing God. But we know there are more than 600. That's a lot of different precepts and statutes to master. If in your town or your city where you live, if I were to ask you to name the first 10 statutes on the, uh, in the city code, you probably wouldn't even be able to do it. And the average Christian certainly wouldn't be able to go through the Old Testament and label all of those. But what Paul came to understand was that it wasn't until he came to know Jesus Christ as his savior that he was able to discover what he was called to do. In fact, Paul says it this way. He says, my life and your life is hid with Christ in God. It's impossible to know what God wants you to do until you come to know Christ. 
Now, you may think I, I don't really need uh, that kind of knowledge and, you know, you can find your way to heaven or to righteousness in a lot of different ways. And so long as people are sincere, then sincerity in the end will win out. And God, because he's a God of love, he will receive that and he'll receive me. That's deception. The whole point of the cross, the whole point of redemption, the whole point of the plans and purposes of God sending his son was because all other avenues and paths led to a dead end. So there is no pathway through Buddhism, through Hinduism. Jesus came into this world to say no man can come to the Father except he comes by me. And the scripture is very plain that if we want to have a relationship with God, that relationship begins with Jesus. Now, John says it this way. If anybody denies the son, they don't have the father. If someone rejects the son. They don't have the father. Well, Paul here continuing tells us it pleased the Lord to see his emergence into this world from his mother's womb. So every baby conceived in mama's womb, it is God's good will and it is his good pleasure to see that baby come into this world. He said, well, well, well pastor, you know, there are uh, crazy circumstances in life. There are. There are plenty of them. There are plenty of them. Well, let me read a verse to you out of Ecclesiastes 11 and listen to what it says in verse 5. As you know not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so you know not the works of God who makes all. It is God who causes the bones to develop in a mother's womb. It's a miracle of miracles. And along with that miracle comes the purpose of God to be revealed when that baby comes to a place of maturity to come to know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And this is why Paul says that his birth, even though his birth was in sin, even though he lived his life in sin before he came to know the Lord, it pleased God for him to enter into this world. Now, why? Because verse 16 says that he might reveal his son through him. Every one of us are vessels to be used to illustrate the love, the mercy, the power, the might of Jesus Christ. And the only way people will ever hear the gospel or see Jesus as he needs to be seen, they, they will have to see him visibly in us. It's through you that men and women come to know they should repent of their sins, that they should turn from iniquity and turn to God. The human body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when God takes up residence in that temple, the expectation then is that this body would be used to make Jesus real to any and everybody with whom we come in contact. You're bought with the price. You're not your own. Your body doesn't belong to you. If you're a Christian, you've been redeemed. You are a debtor to Jesus Christ and all that you are, you owe to him. So we have to do what he tells us to do. That's if, in fact, we have truly surrendered to him and we're grateful to him for what he has done. So the revelation of God in humans is the desire of God for every person. 
Now you say, Pastor, most the people around the world aren't Christian. Well, I understand that, but that doesn't change God's desire. Don't 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 tell me that um, when your children got older and became adults and made a few decisions that that you didn't like, that there weren't times that their decisions didn't displease you. But even though there was displeasure at some of the choices that were made, your love for them didn't change. And so when God looks at this planet with some eight billion people or so, he's kind of expecting us to understand that his love for us hadn't changed, even if our our interaction with him isn't the way that it should be. That's for everybody. You can go into the the jungles of the Amazon or the jungles of Burma, or you can go into, you know, a a place like uh, Papua New Guinea, or somebody can go down into Argentina and you can find plenty of people that worship in all kinds of different religions. But that still has not changed God's love nor his intentions toward them. And it's the same thing here in Nebraska. Anyone who has never learned about who Christ is, has also never learned that their bodies are to make him visible to their neighbors, their family, and friends. And the only way to do that, you've got to live an unselfish life. You've got to put the old man to death so that the new man in Christ can can resonate and revive and live inside of you and through you. And when people see Christ in your life, then that's when they become attracted to and fascinated by the things of God. It's a revelation. So what people see of Jesus in you, that's going to be what they think about when they consider what it is to follow God. If if you were in a grocery store and then all of a sudden you got angry with someone, started yelling and screaming and using foul language and you upset a number of people. And then at the end of that, you said to the nearest person to you in the aisle, I'd like to invite you to Belvedere Church. How likely do you think it would be that somebody would come? They wouldn't want to. If we did the same thing and then someone went through all of that and and got into fisticuffs and beat somebody really bad down on Main Street or something like that. And then afterwards said, look, by the way, I'm going to be King of Kings Sunday night. Would you come on out with me? They're not going to be interested. Because people are looking for something that's different than anything they've seen before. They've seen hypocrisy. They've seen religious people. They see people constantly who pray prayers and do liturgy, but it doesn't change how they live. But if they can see Christ visibly manifested through a person's life, that is something that is attractive to people. And they'll say, that's what I want. And they'll ask questions. You say, well, people don't ask me questions about my faith and about me being different, then the question to ask is, are you really different than a person who's an unbeliever? You know, people oftentimes say, well, there are certain things you don't talk about when you get together. You don't talk about marriage. You don't talk about politics. You don't talk about religion. Well, if Jesus owns you lock, stock and barrel and he's the savior of your life. And the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How can someone spend hours with you and never know that you love God? How? See, that's that's wrong. That's that's not right. That's disrespectful to God, because you certainly show more reverence for people 
than you do for God. And the scripture says that we should not grieve the Holy Spirit. So go out of your way to be a manifestation of who Christ is. And witnessing the people, you don't have to quote the book of the Bible or a verse. All you got to do is just say the verse in your conversation and talking with somebody. And you don't have to quote it in all kinds of old English. But what you do need to do is make sure that when they hear it, they'll understand that this this is something different than what I've heard from anybody else. Yeah. Very important. So looking again at verse 16. That I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. In Paul's mind, there are certain people that are called heathen. And a heathen person is someone that doesn't know the king, someone who's lost, someone who's separated from the Lord and being separated from the king. They are individuals who need to know about the salvation of God. And with that salvation, it's important to bring them to the knowledge of what they're saved from. What am I saved from? Sin. What am I saved to? Righteousness. What is sin? Anything that separates me from God. And when it separates me from God, what that means is there's a gulf or a chasm between the king and me. And there's nothing that I can do on my own to bridge that gulf. So I have to have a cross. And that's why Jesus came down here into this world and climbed up on the cross and died for me. And we all know how bad the death was. He went through one judgment after another judgment. They beat him. He was bludgeoned. Everything was bloody, stripped his clothes off of him. Then in accordance with the word of God, we learned they put a crown of thorns upon his head. The blood dripped down his brow. His back was ripped open. And then he was given a very large cross that he then had to carry through the streets as hundreds of people watched him marching outside of the city. He did that for you and he did that for me. And for someone to go through all of that for redemption. How dare us trample that blood of Jesus and not listen to the voice of God that speaks to us and calls us to walk with him. He says, I am to preach him, proclaim him, announce him amongst the heathen. This is not talking about something that needs to be done from a pulpit. You can do this from a street corner, sitting in your car. You can do this in a classroom, sitting in your home. You can do this on a bus or a train or an airplane to proclaim him amongst those that are lost. So immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. He didn't sit down and have a talk with anybody else about this because he knew God had spoken to his heart. Now, what if you come in contact with people who don't believe these things? Do you believe flesh and blood or do you believe God? You believe God. What if you come in contact with a preacher that says, well, you know, the Bible is filled with legends and some of those things aren't true and you can't really believe in a virgin birth. Believe the Bible and ignore the ignorant preacher. If you run into a family member or a friend that tells you, well, you know, there are a lot of inconsistencies in the Bible and some of those stories don't always make sense. You can't really believe that these things came to pass as the prophets foretold and, and so forth and so on. But nevertheless, believe what the Bible says. Do not 
Let man confuse you about redemption and about the power of God. It is so important that our lives be founded on scripture. So no matter what it is that people say, when we're in conference with anybody and we're talking about scripture, we take a stand for truth. If, if you're in a room with a bunch of folks that don't believe the Bible and they start saying things like, well, you know, all Christians, they're all a bunch of hypocrites and everybody go to church. These people are always talking about you ought to live this way and they're not living up to the standards. Well, you don't have to be an advocate for any Christian, but you should be an advocate for Christ. Because he's not a hypocrite and he's perfect and he has done all things well. And even if people are what they're saying may actually have some truth to it and there be people in the church that are hypocrites, you still can ask them, why are you so offended about that? You're as sinful as they are. But every sinful person needs a redeemer. Every person needs a savior. And Jesus is the one that can provide us with salvation. And so in closing, let me just say that Paul demonstrates that we don't need to get our answers from anybody who doesn't believe. We need to talk directly to God. Yeah. And, and, and later this week, when you run into other people who are talking to you about Scripture or bringing up things about the Word of God, just make sure you stay on the foundation and don't allow yourself to be shaken or rocked by some of the things that people say. In these last days, we are watching as more and more Christians turn from truth. We're watching more and more churches become apostate. I am grateful that my grandmother loved the Lord. And I'm also grateful that she's with the king now and she didn't have to live long enough to see this utter confusion that we have taking place in this world today. If, 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 she, if, if she could come back from the dead... And just watch a few commercials or watch the news or hear some of the things going on in our schools or some of the things going on in our community. She'd probably just die again. You see, to think about that, that, that we have adults that aren't sure which bathroom our kids ought to use, that, that we now have sports and, and we're not sure whether a guy should run track with the guys or run track with the gals. See, we're unsure about where life begins when uh, last year or the year before, whenever it was, them people on the East Coast and that governor wanted to sign a bill or something like that that says, you know, once a child is born, even after it departs from the mom's womb, you still can take its life. No ancient society would have ever thought that something like that would even be good with the common community. And you certainly would never have thought that in an enlightened world like we live in, that somebody would want to take the life of a little baby and then say it's okay with their conscience to do so after it's been born. It is God that causes the bones to grow in the mama's womb and while that baby is being formed within that child, purpose and destiny is being formed also. And for all of us that are in here right now, we should be grateful every day that mom and dad decided to hold on to us. How poor all of our lives and other people's lives would be if we hadn't been kept. But I do know in the end, when we stand before God, 
I really just want to hear him say, well done, you good and faithful servant. He's not going to say any of us were perfect, but he is going to say the light that you possessed, you walked in it. And you could have gathered and gleaned more and more light from the word of God if you would have took the time to read it. When people say, well, in my opinion, I just don't think God is like that. Your opinion is irrelevant. What does the Bible say if you're a Christian? What does the Bible say? Well, I, I just can't imagine that God is like that. Your conception of God is irrelevant. What does the good book say? And if we stand on the firm foundation of the word of God 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we we'll all still have a good foundation up under us. And when we get together again for Isla's 100th, We'll still be talking about how good the king is, except by then she'll have that new match sitting there next to her. And it ought to be good. But let me have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for an opportunity to look into your word. All of us, God, have a, a design that you have prepared for our lives. And even though our paths have gone different directions and you led all of us on a path that took us either around the world or locally or regionally or nationally, wherever we've gone, we've come to this intersection tonight and we're grateful that we have you here with us and that with every new opportunity and new door, you're able to keep us on the right path. So Father, speak to our young people. Speak to them while they're young. Give them direction. Talk to them in dreams and in visions. Help to prevent them from making the kind of missteps and sins that would be with them for decades to come. And for the rest of us, Lord, that are adults, I pray that you guide us, preserve us, help keep our testimonies clean, pure and secure. And help us every day to walk with you and fall in love with you more and more every day. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen, 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 Amen.